Learn from the greatest marketing minds in business, media, and entertainment. This is Marketing Legends. Here's your host, Matt Lights. What is happening, friend? Matt Lights here, and we have got an amazing episode for you. My good friend, Andrew Warner. This is the guy who has interviewed countless just business moguls, the greatest people in business, and I get to interview him. And you're about to learn a tremendous amount, not just about media and podcasts, but also really how to get a business that just grows and scales. Andrew had a massive exit at a very young age, and he's about to throw it down for you. So he's here to support a cause called Junior Achievement that's helping young people prepare them for success. So if you'd like to learn about this cause and more importantly, get some of Andrew's very best training from Mixergy, Mixergy greatest hits, then what you need to do is go to marketinglegends.com slash Andrew. And with that said, let's get it on. All right. Welcome to Marketing Legends here with my buddy, Andrew Warner. Andrew, I got to ask you right out of the gates, my man. The last time that I saw you, I got left on a cliffhanger. All right. We were both speaking at a mini chat event and we were sipping some scotch. And you told me that you had a goal of running marathons on seven separate continents and that you had done it on six and that you had one small task to achieve. Eve, which was running a marathon on Antarctica. I have no idea how this story makes <laughs> I've been just waiting. How does this end? I got to tell you, it was so hard to get to Antarctica. It turns out there are all these international treaties designed to keep any one country from either taking over Antarctica or starting to flood it with their own people and, you know, corrupt it with tourism. So I was not able to get there for the longest time. I made phone calls to everybody. I called up a cruise. I said, look, I'm not allowed to get on Antarctica unless I have some like multi-year um, wait list that I've cleared to get to, to run a marathon there. I called the cruise and I said, what if I just get on your cruise ship? I know you're going to go into Antarctic waters. Can I then run a marathon on the boat, like around the boat? Oh, that's weird. You can't do that. And I and I said, will you please try? I'm someone who wants to find a solution. And um, she said, okay, let's take a look. And she looked and she said, no, it's not safe. It's going to be icy even on the boat. If you run, you put the fact that you get hurt and fall in. So I said, I can't give up on this. I got to find a way. And I just kept going online and saying to anyone who will listen, I want to run a marathon on Antarctica. And this guy, Eric, who is a nurse who has helped people at marathons all over the world, said there's an organization called Antarctic Logistics and Expedition. They help set up the marathon on Antarctica. They help people who are crossing Antarctica by sledge, by by skis with a sledge attached to them. So contact them. I contact them. I say, I need to run a marathon on Antarctica. They said, we don't have anyone organized here. I go, I will do a solo marathon. Can you get me there? They said, okay. It was about $25,000 to get on their plane they get this old Soviet plane to take me to Antarctica with a few people who are going like on expeditions on their own. I sleep in a tent for, for about a week waiting for the temperature to be right. And then I go and I run my marathon. The, it was the best marathon I'd ever done. And I did do all, all continents. It, but the best part of it for me was, and you could see in my energy, how hard it was to get on there. The excitement yeah. and also the nervousness. And will I look like a fool with Matt and everyone else who's been following this if I can't get on it? 
was the most exciting thing to try to overcome and then to overcome. And yes, I did. And I'm so glad I did it before COVID. Congratulations. Yeah. And I, I thought the hard part was going to be running the 20 whatever miles in the cold, just <laughs> getting your physical body. I mean, what a testament. You know, you, you, you ask, you know, we're going to get on here, talk about strategies and tactics, but it's like what makes successful people successful? Is they're they're willing to go the extra mile, like no, you cannot run a marathon on deck of an ice. <laughs> like I'll just sprinkle salt in front of me, like whatever it takes. That is amazing. I didn't think of that. I would have suggested that. <laughs> what an amazing story. Well, uh, Andrew, the last time that I saw you was the first time that I met you, and you were so gracious to invite me to uh to a, a mixer that you had um and what we do we have a little tradition when we have a, a valued guest like you on the show we like to send them a swag box in the mail and i just learned before recording this that you haven't yet opened your swag box so i from what i understand in the marketing world it's a really cool thing to do an unboxing you know what usually when people send packages like this it's some kind of organization that they pay and then the organization sends the note this is right at the very top it's packaged nicely but right at the very top there's like a handwritten note from you and i love how there's like a little like error i was going to call it a typo but it's not typing that you correct it and just left it in there it this shows me this is not a computer that wrote it excited to interview the master of interviews i truly appreciate that your time and support let's have some fun and raise some money for your favorite charity thank you so much for doing this and this is enjoy the scotch Oh, and the board game. Okay. Oh, hold on. I love this whiskey. You're, you know what I like about your logo and about this design? It doesn't feel overbearing like I'm wearing a Coca-Cola t-shirt or something where you're like doing heavily marketing on it. It just feels like a cool design that I would want to wear anyway. And it just happens to be from my friend's company and a mission that I care about. Glasses. And there's a board game on the very bottom. What is this? Don't be a loser. This is the board game that I designed. Yeah. What? Thank you for watching. Hopefully you enjoy your package, buddy. So the lesson from all of this is, so mm-hmm. here we are starting a brand new marketing podcast and we're literally attracting legends. I mean, we're getting some pretty high quality guests and you're definitely helping that out, Andrew. So we felt very strongly that we needed to, you know, to it's, it's the market. It's not just attracting. It's also you know, whatever we can do to make you feel good about what it is that you're doing. So what's the impression that you got from this unboxing experience there? You know what it is? I think that everything that I do, including my conversations with my brother and sister now are all online and a little bit of a touch point that's offline is so, it makes you stop and pay attention. And I also freaking love whiskey. And the beauty of a good whiskey like this is I am going to now share it with some people And it's not just, I bought it at the supermarket for you. It's, and my friend Matt had me on, here's what we were doing. And it gives me a conversation for the evening and it extends our relationship, mine and yours, into this other conversation. I love it. I love it. It's so considerate too, that you understood my passion for whiskey. Thank you. You're You're very, very welcome. And, and it's, it's something that I think a lot of times people think of like gift giving from the wrong perspective. Um, it's It's been just a part of what I've done and it's been part of our philosophy for so many years. And I don't, I've never given a gift and like, boy, if I give this to Andrew, you know, maybe he'll be extra excited on a podcast. You know, it's, it's not about that. But I just, I think it's a little bit of a lost art gift giving because it's just this thing that can come back 
and not just come back and more go out. Like you said, now you're sharing with friends. Yeah. And it just, it really does make a ripple in the world when you take the extra moment. So thank you for that unboxing. I'm sure that our guests would have Thanks. never had any idea of our little tradition that we do here. And now we're going to talk about Andrew, because I know that's what you guys are here <laughs> for. Um, so Andrew, I would love for you to take us back. Obviously, you started several successful businesses. You've had multiple exits. I think the thing you're probably most well known for is Mixergy. Um, yeah. so I would just, I would love to get just any kind of insight because everyone on here is, is, is got their, their dream, their idea, and they're just trying to figure out how to bring it to life or expand it. Can you give us a little bit of insight of what that process looked like from just initial concept to actually having this empire that you have now? One of the best things that I did was say, I admire people in the startup world. I'm going to interview them and publish it online instead of doing it in like a conference the way that it had been done before. Um, and even to this day, I was just walking with my kids through Austin near South by Southwest, kind of showing them how exciting the city is when South by Southwest is here and all the stuff that you get and all the activities you participated. And people stopped me and said, Andrew, I listened to your podcast. Are you Andrew Warner? They would say, I saw your video interview. This is like some people who'd heard it a decade ago are still connected with it. And the reason that they are is it's not like they said, I know who this guy Andrew Warner is. I'm going to go hunt him out and find out about him. It's they said something like, I understand Drew Houston created Dropbox. I want to know how he started it. And they'd go look for his story and discover his story told on my podcast. And then they connected with me and then they discovered some of my other podcasts. And the reason that I bring this up is I feel like a lot of social media, a lot of publishing is how do I tell people what I am doing today? I just saw this great uh, YouTube short. This uh, group of three friends decided they would do a marathon inside of a Walmart. And it was like all of 30 seconds. But I loved it. <laughs> but it's all about the cool thing they did. Interviewing yeah. is about let me show you the cool thing somebody else did. I'm going to learn from them. You're going to be exposed to them. And the beauty of it is when people are searching for them, they discover the interviewer and they understand the mission and so on. And so that has carried on for a long time because it's about other people. I love that. And one of the things I want to kind of go back to that you mentioned was you didn't start a podcast because you're like, okay, how can I expand my reach? You know, how can I get more leads? I mean, it really started from how can I interview so that because I have this this passion to learn from other people. And yeah. I think so many times in marketing, it just almost starts, you know, with this like intending one thing and it turns into another. Um, I, the, the thing that I found in my interview, because by the way, if you're ever going to interview somebody, I highly, 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 highly recommend that you read Andrew's book. I know there's at least five copies left because I can see <laughs> them on a shelf, right? Um, stop asking questions, which has been hugely, hugely valuable. Um, but when you when you got into this, you look you didn't start out like, hey, let's do this thing online. You started up with meetups. Uh, and what I found to be highly interesting is that you were really as as a model, you were looking at politicians. Is that right? Is that what I understood? You're kind of like, how do I, you know, do this a little bit different? And then it became the podcast. Was that kind of how it went, or what was that that process? I did see this uh, po politician, Howard Dean guy uh, was a governor in Vermont and suddenly he was coming on big on the scene and getting a lot of people to pay attention to him 
And I love obscure people who rise above obscurity. And he did that. So I started reading up and seeing how did he do it? And what he did was he would have these meetups. He would en enable anyone who supported him in any little town to create a meetup to discuss how they could help his movement grow because they believed in his in his movement. And these meetups just kind of took shape all over the place. And so I said, I'm going to start doing that. And I created my own little meetup in at the time I was living in Los Angeles. And then from Los Angeles, I was hoping it would expand and expand. The interesting thing is that there was someone else who was starting to organize meetups like mine and they got sponsorship. I couldn't believe it. They got someone to pay for it. I didn't want anyone to pay for it. I wanted it to be out of the goodness of my mission of creating more entrepreneurs. I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to learn from other people. I'm not just going to reject it. So if they got sponsorship, when someone from Microsoft came to one of my events, I said, would you sponsor me too? And they said, yeah, we'll do it. And so they started paying us thousands of dollars to get food and drinks and also profit for me from the events. And Microsoft said, you know, they're really good people coming here. You should be doing something to show people that they're coming here and who is coming here. And you're learning from them in person. Do something. And I thought, all right, I'll start doing interviews. And I started doing interviews so that I could learn. And then from there, other people learned. And that was incredibly helpful. That That is amazing insight. I mean, first of all, you know, no matter where our listeners are in their business, everybody's looking for that breakthrough. So the fact that you're studying those people who have this this quick come up and this one politician in particular, um, but the big thing here is that you led with how can I bring people together with my mission? Because yeah. I'm a I'm a big believer, Andrew, that I don't care how good you are at running Facebook ads or you know SEO. Like if you don't have a mission. It's all for naught and it's never going to take off. And it's just amazing when you have that perspective of how can I serve other people? It's almost like opportunities are coming to you. They're attracting. Whereas I think a lot of yeah. times, I don't know how you feel about this, but when it's like me, leads, buyers, and that, that, it's almost like sometimes you're pushing it away. But in this case, you're like, whoa, here's money. It's, it's almost, it's, it, it really is an attraction process, isn't it? It is. And I wouldn't have thought that. I grew up in New York where Wall Street was like the number one industry. And it was all about how can you make money for yourself? And truthfully, Matt, I loved it. I loved the idea of like selfishness as a way of working. And I think that works really well for people on Wall Street. But once you go out beyond it, where you're selling something, where you're trying to build your own business, it's all about the little things that you do for people. I'm not going to forget that you sent me this box. It must have been a pain. I don't know how much work you put into this. I could see that it was. It must have been a lot of work. But not you put the work people. in. Good people. It's what? Good people behind it. I've got a, a great team over here. But thank you for that. Well, it goes a long way that you that you did it, that they did it. And people notice this stuff. And I wouldn't have thought that they would. And they do. Like I said, I, I'm walking through the cities of Austin years after people have listened and they still remember the, the good stuff that they got out of it. But it's hard. It's hard for me to have accepted. So I get why people wouldn't. Yeah. I think I, I, I feel like you have that same mentality, whether you knew it or not. Like one of the things that jumped out in my research, I, I listened to the book was that Early in your career, you actually worked uh, for the Dale Carnegie organization, which I if you don't know Dale Carnegie and you haven't read How to Win Friends and Influence People, it's the number one book you need to read before you even start life, in my opinion. Oh, 
the fact that you went to them and you just said, Hey, I'm here. I love what you do. I will work for free. Yes. Like, how valuable was that experience? Okay. So at the time, I'll be open with you. My name was Shuki Khalili. I changed it to Andrew Warner because it helped me like get people to pronounce my name. But it was Shuki Khalili. I was in college. I go to work for them to see how it, how the whole thing works. And one of the first things that I noticed when people in the office met me was they would I would say, hi, my name is Shuki Khalili. And they would say, hmm, how's that spelled? And I was used to people just, you know, they get a blank look when I said my name is Shuki because they said, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's too far and I'm going to ignore it. And they just stopped for a moment and said, how is it spelled? And I would spell it S-H-U-K-I. And they go, S-H-U-K-I, Shuki. Okay, like a shoe with yeah. a key. I get it. Now, the reason that I'm bringing this up is when I saw that in the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, that people care about the, their name more than they care about any other word in the English language, when yeah. people, you should ask them how it's spelled, it felt so, I don't know, hokey. Like, I'm not going to ask somebody how their name is spelled. Yeah. To see it done in person and to feel good about it when it's done to me brought yeah. the concepts of the book to life and also showed me how I could do it and made me believe it more. And I've found that that's true a lot in my life, that if I could at any moment find someone who's doing the thing that I'm reading, find someone who's doing the thing that I'm studying, I want to be around them as much as possible so that I can see how they do it and see how the concepts that they've written about that I've studied that I know work actually are brought to life. In any way that you can. And and I, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing that. That was a big share, in, you know, the fact that you, you changed your name. And I think you know, obviously listening to this, probably, I don't know if anybody out there is getting ready to go change their personal name, but to the point of like, you know, how many domain names are hard to spell or business names that are hard to spell or, you know, it, it really is a, a, a big deal. You made a branding move, whether you knew it or not back then, it really was a, a branding place. So thank you for, for coming to the table with that. And I just want to say, Andrew, one of the things that I just think is amazing about you is just your, your transparency. I mean, the fact that you'd share stuff like that. Um, one of the things that I love about the Mixergy membership, if you guys haven't checked out Mixergy.com, highly recommend that you do so. But you're not, you know, it, while so many people out there are just trying to point to their achievements and, you know, look at my cool stuff and I'm so flashy, you're doing the opposite. Like you got a whole section that's about Mixergy fails and the things that you've screwed up. Like I, really like because I feel like there's this this unneeded pressure on people, specifically around you know marketing and how they present themselves, of like needing to be awesome and cool. Like, can you just speak to a little bit how you do that? You know why you do that? It was one of the hardest things for me to do. I got on camera and I said I failed, and I failed by trying to create an online invitation site. And I just was pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars into it and it wasn't working. And my own wife, when she organized a birthday party for me, used Eventbrite, Eventbrite instead of my invitation site. So I went online and I said I failed. And it was really painful to admit because I did want people to think I was successful and smart and I believed it about myself. But the beauty of that was that gave everything else I did a sense of mission. When I was in an interview and I said, I'm doing this interview because I failed and I don't want to ever make that mistake again and I'm here to learn from you. The person got on board to support me. When I was working with someone who I hired and they would see that I would 
that I would work harder. And I told them, look, it's because I failed before and I can't have this happen again to me. They would be on the mission and say, okay, we are going to overcome that. It was such a good clarifying vision. I failed at this. Here's what I'm trying to do. And I think that there are a lot of people who are like, um, after me following up and saying, I'm going to do my own podcast or create this other content online. And they're always looking for what can I do to show what I know and it becomes really overwhelming in a world where there's so many people who are so much smarter than you. So if you're great at social media, Gary Vaynerchuk is going to beat you. If you're great at business, uh, Mark Cuban is going to beat you. And he's out there talking. They all are. But if you could say, look, I've failed. I'm going to try this thing. Let's see what happens. If I fail, then I'll try a different thing. It brings people on a mission. It makes them care. And it gives you a sense of what, what you should be doing. By the way, I don't know if this shirt, it's a new shirt. I don't think it looks great on camera because look at this. The top button opens up and unlike you, I don't have a good looking chest. I'm going to- Oh, I think you should go one more down, man. Like no, half- Sure, it's, it's not too much. Good. If you're going to okay, be all right. deep, man, deep V all Okay. All right, I trust you. <laughs> but hey, we're talking about being being humble and allowing your mistakes to come through. So- I will be open about it. I don't know. I, mean, I love this shirt, but I don't know how it looks on camera yet. We'll see. Uh, but but thank you. I, I really, I think that that's a valuable lesson for people um, to take with them. And, and you know, one of the other things that I really appreciate you, because I've, you know, I have been watching your interviews and studying and trying to learn from you, um, is that while you by no means expect perfection, the one thing that it, I've really noticed is that when it comes to your listeners, right? Which ultimately are your customers. You go to bat for them in every way possible. And to go so far as to, you know, I've seen you get on interviews. Um, in fact, when I, I signed up for Mixergy, um, which is a tremendous value, Thank you. one of the first things that I got was one of your worst interviews. Uh, and, yeah. and on this interview, you just really felt like like the the gentleman that you were interviewing was not doing a service to your guests, and I don't think that you were rude, but you certainly you, you know you 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 let them know how you felt because you, you you were fighting for the listener, and you could feel that. So, in regards to marketing, because I think a lot of times marketing and product kind of get separated, maybe more than they should. You know, it's like, hey, we're out here just, you know, promoting, promoting, promoting. We got the product, but where the, the great companies recognize that their product is the marketing in a lot of ways. Um, how do you, you know, how, have, is, that, is this an attitude that you've adopted with time or just, you know, how did you get to this place where, you know, you have such a high level of excellence for your interviews and you just, you know, you always make sure that it's not the person that's talking to you that matters. It's the person on the other end that matters. It's really hard to fake it in a, in a long interview. I don't understand. Like I, I was supposed to do an interview with someone who was huge in the Ruby on Rails community. And everyone in my audience who at the time was listening live was excited to talk to him. And I realized I don't know what Ruby on Rails is or how it works. I didn't know any of that. And I said, I could fake it. And then I asked these like really broad questions like, so then how did you and make it up? I don't even know a fake question. Or I could just say to him, you know, actually, you don't even know what Ruby on Rails is. What does it mean? Why does it matter? And for many of the people in my audience, it was a dumbed down question. They understood it. They're developers. They got it. But And so they could tune out of that one. 
they would have tuned out anyway if I pretended I knew it because they would have sensed that Andrew doesn't know what he's talking about. But for the people who didn't, it was really eye-opening. It was helpful. And then also for him, he said, you know what? Most people don't know what it is. They just pretend. Let me walk you through. Here's why it matters. Here's why we're focused on it. And it was super helpful. And I've, I've had a few of those situations where I knew going in, I don't know Jack. Yeah, I could either pretend and then I'm really going to be embarrassed or I could be open and then I could really learn. And it's, and it's helpful. We've seen this a lot. Like you go to dinner with someone and with a group of people and you'll see that one person will ask questions or will talk like they know what they're talking about. And it comes across as fake versus saying, I actually don't know what, what is it that you do? And what right. does crypto mean? Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, I want to tell you that. Yeah. Sorry. So I'm not really curious about DAOs and, crypt and crypto right now. I'm just like curious, how does a blockchain work with DAOs, which are these decentralized autonomous organizations? What is that? One of my past guests happens to be happens to have created a DAO for Y Combinator, the top uh, investor in, yeah. in startups in San Francisco. Right. And so he created a DAO for them. And now he's running, he created a company that creates DAOs for others. I offer to help him explain what a DAO is so that he could then explain it to others who might want to work with his company. And part of the reason I did that is so I can learn by watching somebody who does this. Mm. And the other is so that I can go to him and say, you know what, I actually, what is a DAO? What DAOs should I be studying before our conversation? How does it break? Where? What's working? It was incredibly helpful. I think that if we're open like that and as interviewers we get to be, it's super, uh, it's super valuable. Great. And, and I love to hear, I mean, this is stuff that's all new to me and I won't even go down that path. <clears throat> it seems like you've done a pretty darn good job in your career of being ahead of trends. Um, chatbots is something that both you and I jumped on. You jumped on it uh, before I did, obviously podcasts. Uh, is, is the trends thing, is that something that you're very intentional with, uh, something you stumble upon? And then a second part to that question is, you know, those people that look at Andrew Warner and go, yeah, he's got thousands of podcasts and he's done this, got this huge business, but he was early on. So like, you know, it was unfair for him. What would you say to those kind of people? Oh, I got to tell you. So yes, I was early on in the startup world and in podcasting, but there are these other worlds that do not have podcasts made for them. So I got curious about this decentralized community that was all like Twitter, but built on the blockchain. It was called DSO. It still is. And I said, you know what? I'm really curious about it. I'm the outsider in this community. I don't know Jack about this. I created a podcast just for that little community where there was hardly anyone on it so that I could learn how it worked. Oh, it's awesome. Within that community, the top people who were active in it would refer other guests for me to, to talk to. If I called within that community, or I, I didn't call, I would email or you go on these different chat groups and you ask, to, ask questions, they would say, Andrew's about to do a podcast for this community and could maybe reach outside of this community, let's answer his questions. And so you may not be able to be the startup podcaster of the year. Maybe you will be. Yeah. The, maybe, probably you wouldn't. But if you could find an underdeveloped community, an underdeveloped topic and go, go into that, you could yeah. leave that. And if it grows, you grow with it. And if it doesn't, you start to expand slowly outside of it. That is the way to go. And so that I think is is the way to create a podcast today. I love that. And and I and I don't know if there's a formal name for this principle. Um, 
but I think it's so important to wrap your head around the fact that the way that these things work, whether it be, you know, podcasting or sales or affiliates or whatever, it is sometimes things just come in spurts and in like in pockets, right? Like you could literally, you know, obviously Andrew, like you're in a position now where it's a little easier because of, you know, your existing podcast, but like when you're first getting going and you're like, man, I need some guests. And it might feel like it's so hard to get that first guest and maybe the second guest and maybe the third guest, but then the fourth guest is totally awesome. And they're right. like, oh, I can refer right. you to ABCDEFG. And then it just right. grew, you know? And, yeah. and I just, I think understanding that that's the way that business really works. It doesn't, it doesn't go in this consistent linear line. It happens in this like, eh, 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 boom, breakthrough, do, 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 breakthrough. Did you experience that in your podcast and other businesses? For sure. There were there were so many months where I would go through all this work to edit. Back when I started, I was removing ums because guests hated removing ums. Today, you can use Descript and have it removed like that. Literally, you press a button, the whole thing goes away. But back then, I would go and hunt it down. And I remember spending an hour, sometimes three hours editing an interview, publishing it, and fewer than 100 people would, would watch it. And I go to my wife and say, this stinks. Why am I even doing this? It was so painful. And then eventually people started coming to me. And now I have a hard time saying no to people. I don't want to have you on. And that's the way it works. And it's difficult. And the only thing that kept me going back then was just saying, I need this to be so valuable that it's good for me. I think that selfishness, Mm -hmm. the way that Wall Street had it when I grew up in New York was just, it's too much selfishness in the sense of, I want to also learn something from this, get something from this is really helpful. So if I'm helping Ben figure out how to explain DAOs to his potential customers, I'm I'm useless unless I say, what do I really want to get out of this? I'm trying to learn what a DAO is. Let's make sure I ask that. And, and that makes it valuable regardless of whether Ben decides to continue with me or not, regardless of whether there was an audience for my podcast, and regardless of whether there's anyone who cares about what you're out there creating. What's useful for you, regardless of whether this thing works out for other people or works out at all? I love that. And and just kind of trying to have that ability to zoom out and recognize that you're in one piece of this path and you never know, you know, where you're going to end up. Who would have known, Andrew, I believe your first business was greeting cards. Is that, was that the first one that you yeah. started? Yeah. I mean, smashed it, right? Go ahead and brag for a minute. Yeah. What, what was the end result of your greeting card company? Uh, we ended up selling it to to this uh, California company, and then I moved out to California and discovered a whole new lifestyle for myself. It was it was life changing. I mean, literally, my life is way better. I'm and gonna I ask this because you would ask it. How much did you sell it for, Andrew? Are you willing to share that? This is a greeting so card I'll, company, right? I won't say the number. I will say yeah. that it wasn't that much. I'll tell you what we what I wanted. What was important to me was yeah. to have life-changing money in my bank account. And I, I just wanted to take out the cash that we made. We made a profit from it on, our, on a regular basis. I just wanted to hold on to that and move on out of the business. And that's all I wanted. And so I'll be open and say that it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge exit. The exit for me was, can I come there and then leave after 30 days because I'm burned out? And the company that I sold it to said, yes, it was American Greetings wanted to buy us, but they wanted me to work for them for a year afterwards. And I said, I'm just too burned out this uh, little uh, Los Angeles company that that created MySpace wanted to buy us. And they said, we don't need you. You can move on. And so I said, okay. The only time that I think they contacted me at all was they needed, I own grab.com also. 
and as the domain that was a whole business associated with it and they said can you expedite the movement of that domain for us from one place to another? I said, sure. So that was that was it. And then I said, I'm never going to work again because I'm too burned out. And that's when I started organizing those events. And the, one thing led to another, and I created interviews. Got it. And, and the company name was Bradford and Reed. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just asked this because it's I I get asked all the time about naming a company and correct me if I'm wrong, Bradford and Reed, did those have anything to do with your names or is that, how, how did you come up with this name? I loved making sales, but I knew that if I made a sales call, I just called up a company and said, would you buy for me? And I said, I was another tech company. It just felt like there were a ton of them. If I said, my name is... Andrew Warner, I'm calling from Bradford and Reed. I'm leaving a message for, and I would put the name of the the buyer. Yeah. They were more likely to return the call thinking there's some kind of legal issue or at the time wow. venture capital firms were using names of the partners, right? Yes. So if you think if you think about it, a lot of tech companies were hoping that they would get venture funded. And so I would call, leave a message and they would think, what is this? Let's just go and return the call. And I always left it mysterious. And then when I got on the phone with them, I would ask them a little bit about themselves. And then I would say, I'm Andrew. I run this site. It's called Mailbits. I'm trying to sell ads. I noticed you bought some ads this other place. I'm not looking to sell you any right now. I'm just trying to understand when you bought ads on this other platform, what were the metrics you were looking for? How do they perform? And we'd get into a conversation where they would teach me. And then eventually, if it made sense, I would say, you know what? I can actually outperform them. And I guarantee it. Will you buy an ad for me? I'm starting out. And they would often buy an ad for me and then we would build from there. Ah, oh, so much good stuff. I love it. Bradford and Reed sounds yeah. official. I I'll, all I know is that you do call back Bradford and Reed. I love that. <clears throat> yeah. I got a random one for you here, Andrew. Mm -hmm. So before I met you, right, I knew you as the guy on Mixer G. But <clears throat> if you ask me, hey, you know, how do I know this guy? It's because it's the guy that's going like this. In everything <laughs> picture I ever see, so tell us about the 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 iconic fist pose. Where does this come from? What's the deal? You know, as a as a high school kid, I I had this vision that I wanted to do stuff, and I could think I could do it. And then I also had this other thing that was in my head that would counteract it. So I would say something like. I want to go and shoot pool with my friends in Forest Hills. I go, oh, they're not going to want to shoot pool. It's too boring. It doesn't make sense. Or I also want to go and start a company like this kid that I read about. I can do it. Go, yeah, but his kids were born. His parents were born in America. They understand about how this stuff works. My parents are not going to be able to help me. I just can't. So I recognized that I almost had these two trains of thought and I visualized it before going to sleep as like, one that was moving forward and the other that was moving backwards. And I recognized also that no matter when my mind wanted, whatever my mind wanted to do going forward, the other part would want to go backwards. And the part that wanted to go forward was true. It was the sense that, yeah, of course I could start this business just like the kid that I read about. I didn't need my parents. The part of me that goes, no, your parents don't speak English. They don't understand the language, whatever it is, wasn't helpful at all. And so I recognized that, but I also knew as I got older that there are times when I gave the fake part of my mind yeah. more attention and I would pay attention to what it said a lot and then I would screw up. So for example, I went for a five mile run and the whole time I thought, 
oh, my girlfriend at the time is going to see that I'm not very fast. This was when we flew to Florida, my brother and I and my girlfriend, and we were running this five-mile race. And I kept saying, she's going to see that I'm not going to be able to finish this fast. She's going to think all this running that you're doing is stinking. You're not really a good runner. And I stopped yeah. in the middle of a five-mile run because this like countermine stuff was going on. Anyway, coming back to the beats, I discovered that on a meditation retreat that I could actually constantly repeat the stuff that I think is true and that I want, which is in the running case, it would have been, I can run five miles. I can run five miles. Running makes me feel free. But how do I hold myself accountable to actually think about it and not allow my my countermind to dominate my thought process? And I discovered that in a lot of countries that I traveled to, people would have these beads. You see these old men walk around with beads in Turkey and Greece, right? Two countries that don't like each other, but you'll see people walk around with beads in both countries. You see Catholics walk around with beads. You see, we went to South America. You'd see them in South America. Anyway, I said, what if I have a, a pair of beads and every time I have a thought, like here it is right here, here's one. Every time I say, I'm running makes me feel free instead of, oh, I can't run or I'm not going to look at... Running makes me feel free and I move a beat. Running makes me feel free and I move a beat. Running, right? You just focus on what you want and you don't stop until you do a full circle. And that's what the beads are about. It's like me representing the beads and then also punching that inner critic in the photo. Uh, and, okay. and when a friend of mine came over, uh, Mimika came to my office and she took a photo of me doing that and she gave it to me. I said, this captures what I want to feel. And that's what I put out there. Love it. Punching the inner critic with... I mean, it, first of all, it, we all have that voice, right? I mean, that's, it's so good, I think, for people to hear somebody of your, you, you know, at your level of success still battling that. And the fact that it doesn't matter if it's beads, whatever it is, like everybody's going to have right. their different things. Like it's just fine to create your little weird thing and, and always anchor back to it because it's not like there's going to be a day where that voice is just going to shut up. You know, like it still happens. I get it all the time. I mean, it, just this podcast, Andrew, I can't tell you how many times I'm just constantly like, oh, dude, am I really, I have no clout. Nobody knows who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm, these guests aren't replying to me. Maybe they don't I wouldn't care. have thought. Yeah, it's just, wow. it's, it's just constant. So I, I'm, I need to get my set of beads. I love that. And the other thing I love is the fact that, you know, it's not only a thing for you, but because of the fact that you use that photo consistently, it's created this brand, right? Like, yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. you're a handsome guy. Maybe they recognize you. Maybe they don't. But when your 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 picture in a bio is you at the fist, they 100% know they're the same guy that I saw here, 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 here. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love it. I think that's so good. Um, so what, what I'd like to do now, Andrew, first of all, thank you so much. Obviously your time here, your time is super valuable. You're here to support a charity and a cause, but you, my man just threw it down. Like that was, I mean, I got a ton of value from that. You were very, very open, very honest. And I hope that people really got those insights. So thank you, Andrew. Hope you had fun, my man. You bet I did. And there you have it, my friend. I hope you really got a lot out of today's episode. I can tell you that it was one that really felt great to me. If you want to learn more from Andrew, and more importantly, you want to get your hands on some of the greatest interviews that he's ever done. We're talking about owners of multi-billion dollar companies, people have sold their company, how to market, how to generate more leads. 
and you want to get it all for as little as $1, what you need to do right now is go to marketinglegends.com slash Andrew. Again, marketinglegends.com slash Andrew. And when you do, you're going to be able to just make a donation as little as $1 and get a hold of not just Andrew's greatest hits, but also $867 in awesome freaking bonuses. So with that said, go to marketinglegends.com slash Andrew. If you enjoyed today's episode, would love if you could just give us a share, a heart, whatever you want to give us, thumbs up or just fine. Just make sure that you spread the love and that you go out and you find your inner legend. Go get them. This has been Marketing Legends. Go big, give back, be legendary.